Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In 1 John chapter 2, the Apostle John declared, quote, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. As Christians, it is our privilege and responsibility to continue to grow in our relationship and walk and obedience in Jesus Christ our Lord. If this is indeed our lifestyle, then when Jesus comes again, or when we die, we will have no shame when we stand before him. Let's open our Bible now to 1 John chapter 2, that we might learn how to more and more continue to grow in our intimacy and our walk with Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, with many folks, is they really believe that that Sunday is a is a primary day or Saturday is a primary day. There there is no one day that's better than another to walk with Jesus, to serve Jesus. Meeting together on a Sunday, doing Bible study on Sunday, going to church on Sunday is no different or no better than going to church on a Wednesday, on a Tuesday. As I said before, you could go on a Tuesday at one in the afternoon, and that's no better than going on a Sunday morning. So just thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Well, Lord willing, it looks like we ought to be able to uh, finish up First uh, John chapter two again. I apologize. I I realize I had I had really thought this was going to be ten teachings in the series, and I was uh, I was woefully wrong because um, I believe First John chapter two is five teachings in itself. So. 24 to 29 today. So, Father, we thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for this incredible book of 1 John, Father. We thank you that we have this book in our Bible. But, Father, as always, we thank you most of all for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you. We earnestly thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf and in our place that, that we should have died. And we thank you that you're alive and risen and we worship you today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And Father, we do want to continue to lift up the, the conflict in the Middle East, the war in the Middle East, Father. Um, we ask you to enter into this, Father. We ask that, that, that all would come to know Jesus. Father, I pray that the Middle East, beginning with Israel, Lord, would come to know you, would come to receive Jesus Christ as their only Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of their sins, the salvation of their soul, deliverance from the wrath of, of God, from your wrath, Father, and from eternal hell, and to bring them to heaven when they die. Have mercy, Father, I pray. Have mercy, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. 
All right, 1 John chapter 2, uh, verses 24 to 29. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. All right. Verse, uh, verse 24, John says, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. And what he's talking about here is from the time you got saved, from the time that you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do you remember the time when you were saved? I can remember back 25, 26 years ago now where I where I heard the gospel and went, man, it was it was radical. It was exciting. And it was the truth was that that I actually understood what it meant to be a, a sinful man. I understood for the first time what it meant that I really did need a savior. I had believed in Jesus. I was born and raised Catholic and, you know, I made my communion and, and I had believed intellectually in Jesus, but, but I didn't know that, 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 you know, the fact that I was a sinful person was really a big deal and that I was in desperate need of a savior and that, that without a true relationship with Jesus Christ, without me truly having received and trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins and the salvation of my soul, that, that I would be condemned to eternal hell. And, and, and from the beginning, from that time that I received Jesus Christ and I was saved, I was 27 or 28 years old. I mean, it, it, it was radical. I, and, you know, I, I, I received Jesus as my savior. I trusted in him. I was, I received spiritual life, eternal life. And, and uh, man, I understood that this Bible had, I mean, what it was. And, you know, I started reading my Bible a couple of weeks later. Someone pointed me that that there's this thing called a Bible. And it was, man, it was so exciting. Um, and so I can remember back to that time, right, um, where although I intellectually believed in Jesus, I gave intellectual assent to the existence of Jesus. I was not trusting in him and relying on him and clinging to him alone for the forgiveness of my sins, the salvation of my soul, deliverance from the wrath of God the Father, and deliverance from eternal hell and to bring me to heaven when I die. So when John says, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, okay, that core message of what the Bible teaches needs to remain. Now, someone may be saying, someone may be listening to this and saying, well, I never heard that at the beginning. Well, that's okay, because that means then you're at the beginning and that, that what you're hearing now needs to remain in you. The truth that the Son of God, God the Son, Jesus, full-blown Almighty God, became a human man for you. 
lived a perfect righteous life on your behalf that you could never live, died a torturous death that you should have died and was raised from the dead. And when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you humble yourself before him, acknowledging your hopeless, helpless, desperate condition, right? You throw yourself at the foot of the cross and call out to receive him. You trust in him as your Lord and Savior. That perfect righteous life that Jesus lived when he walked the earth is credited to you as if you actually lived it. You didn't live it, but our heavenly father credits it to you as if you really did live it, credits it to me like I really did live it. And in exchange for that perfect righteous life, all of our sin and disobedience and wickedness and selfishness is credited to Jesus at the cross. Think about that. That exchange of the perfect righteous life of Jesus for my selfish, sinful life, that's the heart of the Christian gospel. It's, it's incredible, right? It's, 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 it's unimaginable it's so incredible. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. That's what needs to remain in you, right? That it's all about Jesus. Continuing verse 24, if it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. No doubt about it. As long as you continue to cling to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, you, you cannot lose your salvation, okay? Um, if you truly have eternal life, you will always have it, right? If, if someone walks away from Jesus, as John said in verse 19, it just showed they were never really a Christian in the first place. But... That, that trust, that reliance, that confidence in Jesus alone remains in you. God the Father will always be your heavenly Father. And Jesus Christ will always be your Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit will always be your guide, your counselor, and your comforter. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. Verse 25, and this is what he promised us, even eternal life, right? That's what comes from remaining. Now, here's what's important. Eternal life is not just a quantity of life. When we think of eternal life, we always think of everlasting life, of living forever in heaven. And certainly it is that. But eternal life is also a quality of life. And that, that, that quality of eternal life we receive when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then we grow and mature as we engage in that, in that eternal life, as we walk in the life, in the spiritual life given us in Jesus Christ our Lord. I mean, it's, it's exciting, right? And this is what he promised us. It's a promise. It's a promise of the word of God that there really is a life after this. We have this Bible, okay? We have our Bible. It's, 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 it's the living word of God. After Jesus, it's the greatest thing we have in this life after Jesus our Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit, right? After each person in our triune God, we have the scriptures and the scriptures have promised it's true. There really is life after this. There really is eternal life and it's found only in Jesus. It's a promise. God has given his word and this is what he promised us, even eternal life. Now, Presently, we have eternal life in Jesus. And then when we leave this body, even when Jesus comes, 
or when we die, right, we'll have everlasting life in heaven. Wow. Verse 26, I am writing these things to you. And John has said this over and over and over. He consistently says this to give emphasis. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. So John was dealing with, with false teachers that were you know, working their way into the church and trying to convince the believers that Jesus Christ was not the God man, that God couldn't become a man. They were trying to lead people astray from their trust in Christ. They were called anti-Christs because not only did they not believe that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the God-man, they were laboring to lead others away from that. That is an anti-Christ. And so this is why we have not only this book, this is why we have the Bible. This is why we need to be in our Bible. This is why we need to be just, bam, you know, this is why we do this so that we're not led astray from the truth of the word of God and the son of God. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. This is why we stay in the word of God. Verse 27, as for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and as that, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. So when he says anointing here, this is important. So we can't, I should say we shouldn't, we certainly can. We, we don't want to read into the text. Okay. It's a big word called, you know, eisegesis. And again, I don't, I don't like these words. I think we use these words and these phrases and these is isms, you know, just, just way too much. Um, you know, when we, when we exegete the text, biblical exegesis is, is getting a, a proper interpretation of, of what the text is saying, right? And, and I believe the best way to do that, okay, is to continue to read it and read it and read it and just let the text speak for itself, okay, without putting a particular framework or systematic over it, but to read it and let the text speak, okay? Um, now, again, there are, you know, different uh, frameworks, different, systema different systematics, different isms, right? Um, Arminianism, Calvinism, provisionism, which, you know, and they, and they can be helpful with, with certain difficult scriptures. Um, but again, we just want to let the word of God speak. So eisegesis is when we, when we have an agenda, when we want to when we want to put something into the text of scripture that's not there, that wasn't intended to be there. So when John says, as for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. This is not some special anointing or some special power that John is talking about here for just certain super Christians, okay? Or certain privileged Christians, okay? That is not what this is speaking about, okay? Uh, John here is speaking as a reference to the Holy Spirit, okay? As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, okay? The Holy Spirit lives in every single genuine believer, and the Holy Spirit is consistently pointing us to Jesus in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will never, ever contradict the Word of God or the Son of God, Jesus, okay? Okay? 
As for you, the anointing you receive from him, from Jesus, who sent us the Holy Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit at the time of our conversion or salvation, right? As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day you're, you're taken to heaven, either when Jesus comes or when you die, if you're a genuine Christian. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. Now, he's not saying we don't need teachers, okay, because that's clearly a, a biblical calling, a biblical gift. That's what we do here. We're teaching the scriptures. What he's saying is the Holy Spirit who lives in you, all right, is, is continuing to remind you of who Jesus is, what he's done, and that he is the ultimate reality when it comes to God, that, that we have a triune God, one being God, the father, God, the son, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, God, the son, Jesus, the son of God entered the world, became a human man, lived a perfect life, died a torturous death and raised from the dead. Okay. The Holy Spirit remains in you. You know, you don't need anyone to keep telling you that the Holy Spirit who lives in you will assure you of that. It's the word of God. It's been written in your Bible. It's assured and the Spirit of God who lives in you, that anointing in the Spirit of God will certainly convince you of that. So when he says you don't need anyone to teach you, again, from the beginning you've trusted in Christ if you're a genuine Christian, and you don't need anyone to teach you this particular principle of who Jesus is. Now again, if you, if you would say, yeah, no, I, I, I've never known that, then the beginning is today for you, and today the Holy Spirit is convincing you for, for the rest of your life of who Jesus is, as we've said over and over, and to remain in him. Okay, so that's what he means when he says you do not need anyone to teach you. He's not saying that you all of a sudden know everything, right? He's saying that from the beginning you've known who Jesus is, and you know the Holy Spirit himself convicts you of that. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, okay, and so again, the, the Holy Spirit, again, we cannot know anything without God. It's not saying that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is teaching you about math, um, that he's teaching you about U.S. history, um, that we could just we could just sit here and the Holy Spirit is going to beam down into our mind an education that, you know, we're still going to have to learn. We're going to have to be educated. Yes, children, you still have to go to school, um, you know, but but we can know nothing. When it comes to the word of God, the son of God, our heavenly father, without the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's given to every genuine believer. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Okay, so again, this remaining in Jesus, keeping Jesus at the forefront of your mind, the forefront of your focus that Jesus, again, just being your all in all, your alpha and omega, your beginning and your end, your first and your last, your life is about remaining in Jesus and growing in Jesus, continuing in Jesus, abiding in Jesus, as he's going to talk about now in the last two verses. Look at verse 28. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Okay, so again, if you're a Christian today, if you're genuinely trusting and relying on Jesus alone, 
clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, okay, you're a Christian, you're saved. God the Father is your heavenly Father. You'll go to heaven when you die. But it's our job to abide in Jesus or to continue in Jesus, to grow in Jesus, to walk with him, to obey him, to love him, to grow to know his love for us, right? To live our lives increasingly more and more and more for Jesus. I will make a point on that, and, I, and I've said this over and over, right? Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, right? Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Um, one, of the, one of the great problems that we have in the church today is, is we, we don't proclaim Jesus enough. We don't use the name Jesus enough. You can listen to a sermon, and again, this is passed down now into the churchgoers, where you're, you're, you will hear the preacher use the word God, which every religion has, okay? Without Jesus, God is a meaningless word. It's a useless word. There is no God. There is no purpose. There is no meaning. There is nothing save Jesus. Okay. As I said, we have a triune God, one being, three distinct individual persons, God, the father, God, the son, Jesus, and God, the Holy Spirit. In Jesus and only in Jesus, we have relationship with each member of the triune God. I, again, I've said this over and over and over and over. Perhaps the greatest problem we have in the church today is we don't say Jesus enough. If you're a preacher today or a teacher of the word of God, and you can go back and look in your sermons, and believe me, this is the vast majority of preachers, 80% of the time you use the word God, you would have been better suited to use the name Jesus. Okay? I'll say again, it's only in Jesus that God has any meaning, any purpose to what to us whatsoever that we can have any understanding of who God is, that we can have any relationship with God, that God the Father can be our heavenly Father. John 14:6 Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth and the life." No one comes to the Father except through me. So when it says, and now, dear children, continue in him, in Jesus, not in God, okay? Jesus in John 14 told Philip, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we've gotten it backwards. You don't look to God to see Jesus. Jesus is God. You look to Jesus to see your heavenly Father, to see the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our example. Jesus, God the Son, the Son of God, is our all in all. Now again, we have a triune God. In Jesus, God the Father is our heavenly Father, and I promise you, he doesn't get jealous, okay? God the Father doesn't get jealous if you talk about Jesus too much, okay? But again, just saying the word God, okay, We'd be better to drop the word almost entirely. And every time we wanted to say God, we either said God the Father or God the Son, Jesus, or God the Holy Spirit. Again, Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, whatever you do, that means everything, right? But Paul wants to be more clear. In word, anything you say or deed, do it all 
in the name of the Lord Jesus. This will be an extremely effective way to help you to continue in Jesus if the name of Jesus is on your lips more and more throughout the day, throughout your conversations. I want to say it again, not the word God. Forgive me. I know I'm getting animated here. I'm getting, you know, I can forgive me, Lord. I can get myself frustrated. This is, this, this is so important. And, and yet I can say it over and over and people will insist to me, well, when I say God, what I really mean is Jesus. Okay, well, we'll say what you mean then, okay? There is no power in the word God. Every religion has the word God. Hindus say God all the time. B uh, Buddhists say God all the time. Muslims say God all the time. So believe me, when you say it, it is, it is no different, okay? Now again, that's what he is. But all relationship doesn't flow based on what someone is, but based on who they are. Your relationship flows with your heavenly father, with Jesus Christ our Lord, and with God the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, right? You know, your relationship with your husband or wife or children is not with human being. Your relationship is not with what they are, a human being. That's what God is. He's God. Your relationship is with who your spouse is. You know, whatever your husband or wife's name is or your children are, right? You have relationship with a father, with Jesus Christ, the Son, and with the Holy Spirit, with your Lord. Verse 28, and now, dear children, continue in him. Okay, this means to grow in Jesus, to walk with Jesus, to grow to know Jesus. Okay, so again, if you use the word God 20 times in a day, cut it down to four and substitute it with the name Jesus, and you will absolutely be doing better. You will be more pleasing to your heavenly father, and you will grow to know Jesus better. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And, 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 and if, we're, if we're candid, if we're frank, if we're like honest with ourselves, right? We recognize that sometimes talking about Jesus is a whole lot harder than saying God. It's a lot easier to say God, 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 because anyone who believes in God is, that's, that's good. Yes, God, 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 God. But when you say Jesus, you've now narrowed it down and made it specific. That there is no God. There is no meaning. There is no purpose. There is no life. There is no nothing. Save Jesus. In Jesus, you have deep, intimate forgiveness and relationship. And God the Father is your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and Master and King. And God the Holy Spirit is your, your guide, your counselor, and your comforter. Without Jesus, there's no meaning, no God, no nothing. All right, verse 28. And now, dear children, continue in him. Continue in Jesus so that when he appears, he's going to appear either when we die or when he returns. And I pray, Lord Jesus, you would come now. Come now, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. The whole Bible ends in Revelation 22. It all ends with the Apostle John, the same writer of this book, saying, Amen, come, Lord Jesus. And now, dear children, continue in him. Why? 
so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. The vast majority of people who claim to be Christians, they, they don't think about Jesus coming. And if you ask them, do you want Jesus to come? Almost all of them will say, no, no, not yet. And ultimately, that's because we know we're not living for him as we should. If we were living for Jesus as if he could come tomorrow, and by the way, if, if we were somehow informed that Jesus was going to come tomorrow or next week or next month or next year, boy, all of us would make a lot of adjustments. Well, let's make those adjustments now. If you don't have a desire in your heart for Jesus to come, then there is no doubt that you're not living for him in the way that he's called you to, in the way that you should. That's a good examination. It's not a condemnation. Examine your heart. Do you have an earnest desire for Jesus to come? All that's happening in, in Israel and Palestine, all the, the evil in the world, when the Son of God touches down, when Jesus touches down, all of that will be put to an end. He will bring order to all of that. He will extinguish all evil. He will bring peace and, and love and meaning and purpose and power. Don't you want that? And you'll be able to see him. You'll be able to walk with him. You'll see life incarnate. You'll see the meaning of life. Wow. Come, Lord Jesus. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. This is an interesting statement. You know, sometimes people, you know, oftentimes, well, none of us are perfect as Christians. So all of us have some form of sin in our life. And as we grow and mature in Jesus, our sin should be less and less and less and less, right? As we're growing to mature in him. But, you know, someone can be living in certain aspects of sin and, and certainly still be a Christian. Although, again, if someone's living in deliberate sin with no grief, no repentance, no conviction, there's a very good possibility they're not a genuine Christian. But the point is you can be living in sin and, and yet still be a true Christian, you know, uh, uh, you know, a backslidden Christian if you're living in consistent, unrepentant sin. But this aspect of doing what is right, one of the ways to know that a person is certainly a Christian is when they have a lifestyle of in the name of Jesus consistently looking to do what's right, to have to not just live a lifestyle of not doing wrong, but living a lifestyle of righteousness where they're serving others and helping others, encouraging others, evangelizing, right? They're giving, they're generous, they're thoughtful, they're helpful, they're selfless, and they're consistently looking to do what's right more and more and more and more. This is a sure quality, right? That when someone's doing this with the name of Jesus on their lips, that, that, that they are a genuine Christian. If you know that he is righteous, Jesus is righteous. You know that everyone who does what is right, this means has a lifestyle of wanting to consistently not just not do wrong, but, but to more and more do what's right in every situation. That everyone who does what is right has been born of him. It's in evidence when you have this lifestyle of wanting to do what's right in Christ, in the name of Christ, more and more that you are truly in Christ, that you're truly saved. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your 
grace on our lives. Father, we love you and we bless you. Father, we honor you today. And Father, what we love you more than anything is we love you and thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, we worship you, we thank you, and we praise you today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts. We ask you to just to, to grow that anointing in us and point us more and more, Holy Spirit, to Jesus, to live for Jesus, to love for Jesus, to give for Jesus, to forgive for Jesus in everything we say and do more and more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.